So Mike asked me to come and give him an amazing introduction this morning. <laughs> so anyway, I've, I've known uh, Brother Mike for uh, over 10 years, had the, the amazing blessing of being um, on his ordination um, committee and council and see him ordained into the gospel ministry and um, a little less than a year ago, just by God's grace and mercy and just his providence, he led the Bondanza family here. And uh, of course, when they came, the, the conversation between myself and Brother Mike was something like this. Um, hey, we know that you're not coming here just to sit by the wayside. You're coming here to serve. And um, he has been uh, helping me and, and, and proclaiming the gospel and preaching and, and just so thankful for that. And his family has come in, Nora and Micah, and they're serving as well. And we're just so um, thankful. And let me just tell you how beneficial this is today, just to have Brother Mike come and uh, proclaim the word of God. First of all, knowing his testimony, when I was going through the dangerous prayers and I got to this one today, I said, um, Mike, this is yours. And uh, you'll, you'll, you're going to touch on that today a little bit, maybe. So... Uh, so this is yours, but it's so beneficial because here's what I want us to understand. The First Baptist Church of Ocean Way is not built on the preaching of Micah Strickland. The First Baptist Church of Ocean Way is built on the preaching of God's Word. Amen. And uh, so um, one, one is going to be um, one day buried and turned to dust. The other will, will um, abide forever and ever and ever. And we want to build ourselves on that which will last forever and uh, build ourselves upon the Word of God. So that's why it's beneficial that um, you, you hear other voices come up with just proclaim the, the same word and just being pointed over and over again. This is the Word of God. So with that amazing introduction... I'm going to ask Brother Mike uh, Bondanza to come up and just share with us the Word of God. If you can make him feel welcome. Amen. Praise the Lord. I told Brother Robert earlier this morning, I was like, he's like, are you nervous? I said, yeah, this is, this is going to be the first time I've preached two services in a church. I was like, we do it all the time in India, but it's different in a church. So I've, I've got this nervousness, and, and I don't know why, but I think that's it. So but praise the Lord. You know, nervousness is normal anyways, so it's all good. So if you would, if you got your Bibles, I'm going to start out, we're going to start out with the Word. We're going to read the Word first, and then I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation here. Um, when I, when I, when Brother Mike had told me that he was going to have me speak on this subject. Um, there were so many things, and I was telling Brother Mike, I had, I had so many Word documents of, of ideas that I had, and then I just said, okay, God, what do you want me to say? So he brought it all together, and, and I hope that you get something out of this today. So um, let's read God's Word from Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to be piggybacking off of the last dangerous prayer message that Brother Micah shared with us with God send me. Um, so if you got your Bibles and you're opened up, you can follow along with me. Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And for my eyes, <clears throat> excuse me, have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. <clears throat> and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and bind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And then I said, how long, Lord? And he said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Please pray with me. <clears throat> Father, we just come before you right now, Lord, with humble hearts, Lord, before your word, Lord. Lord, we don't have any understanding apart from you. We need you, Lord, by your spirit to reveal to us, Lord, what it is you want to say to us. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just invite you here right now. Lord, fill this place with your presence, Lord. Lord, I pray that every mind and every heart would be clear. Lord God, that you would grant every one of us, Lord, including me, understanding, Lord, of what you want to say. Lord, I just pray that I would step aside, Lord, and you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, before we dig in here, I just want to talk about a little bit of perspective of when we say God use me, I want to I want to first lay the foundation of what it does not mean, okay? And one of the things if you notice the picture here, the slide, it's 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 a picture on the ground because this prayer is dangerous because it will bring you to the ground. So, first I want to talk about what is not intended what our intentions should not be when it comes to asking God to use us. And the reason why is because our human ego will always envision us as the hero in any story without hesitation. When we read the, the story of David and Goliath, guess who we are? We're always David. But no, we're Goliath in reality. And so we need to, we need to see this picture here. And I want to read a story, an article that I read um, by a man named Alex Early. And Alex writes, he says, he grew up in the church and he gave his life to the Lord when he was 15 and he realized his call upon his life for the ministry. And Alex grew up and he began planning churches and he began raising up church leaders. But then he writes, and I'm quoting, 
He says, so one prayer that I picked up on by leaders around me and started praying myself was this, God, please use me in this world for your glory and for our joy. <clears throat> and it sounds right and biblical, yet to be quite honest, I didn't pray that prayer from a heart that was content with God. No, I prayed that prayer because I wanted to perform for God, others, and myself. I wanted God to give me a platform to put me in front of people that would laud me with praises and admire my piety. Alex confessed that for the majority of his Christian life that he lived, prayed, and served, he did it because he related to God as his employer and not his Abba Father. He continued that having God as my employer, love, intimacy, acceptance, and belonging were not in the name of the game. No, productivity and getting things done and what was important. Meditation, confession, and repentance were replaced with planning and strategizing. And when I read that, I had to look back on my life when I first became a Christian and I started praying this prayer because that was, that was one of my first heartfelt prayers. God used me. I was changed on the inside. And, and I was so excited about the change that I felt on the inside that, that I wanted to share it with everybody. So I was just a, a babbling brook of, you know, just whatever would come out of my mouth. I, would, I wanted to share it with everybody. And one of the things that I remember and that, that I'm now kind of embarrassed, but I'll share it with you anyways, is, is when I was first born again, I remember I, I was like, wow, Benny Hinn, he heals people. God, use me to heal people. That's great. I want to go heal people. And, and, and I look back, and, and when I read this story this week, I was like, wow, that's exactly what I was doing there, is I was asking God for a platform for people to look at me and praise me for my religious service and what, what, you know, God could do through me. But that's not what is meant and intended when we pray, God, use me. It should never be about that. And let me just say this first, that, that do any of us have children so that we could use them? We don't say. <laughs> no, well, okay, most of us. <laughs> Most of us don't plan to have children because, oh, wow, yeah, if we have a house full of kids, we can do all kinds of stuff. We can use them to do this. No, that's not. Why do, why do we have children? We, we have children because we want to love them. We want them to love us, right? And I want to first and foremost say that that's God's vision for us, that he doesn't look at us and just want to use us, okay? He doesn't need to use us. He's almighty God. He wants to love us first and foremost in a personal relationship. And that should be our first and foremost thing, to, to want to love him out of a heart of gratitude and have a relationship with him um, and not seek out of a heart of, of just wanting to be on a platform. And so one of the quotes from Martin Luther, he says, Lord God, use me as your instrument, but do not forsake me. For if ever I should be on my own, I would easily wreck it all. Isn't that so true? Amen. If we ever get on our own, we'll wreck it. We will wreck it. I love what uh, John MacArthur, he also has a quote where he said, you know, 
if, if, we, if, if our salvation is dependent upon us, if we could lose our salvation, we absolutely would. <laughs> we would blow it. I know that me personally, I would have blown it a day after I was born again. I mean, we, it's just we're, we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. And that's the wonderful thing. If you following in the reading, one of the, one of the Psalms was saying, God knows our stature. He knows who we are, that we are dust. He knows he, and he understands. Um, so some things came to mind um, when I was praying about what to, what to say here, about God use me. And so what God led me to was these questions that some of us may have when it comes to praying that. Because there may be doubts and insecurities, and there's questions. And so I want to address those questions and share with the Word of God and how we can overcome these things. So the first thing that people may ask is, God, can God use you? You may, you may say, can God use me? And the short answer is absolutely yes. If you're in the South, you can say you can bet your sweet Katukas he will. <laughs> he can. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, um, when it comes to asking God to use us, uh, the first thing we need to realize is that uh, we can't expect to be perfect. When we began to, when we learned to ride a bicycle, did we just get on the bike and take off down the road to the, to the 7-Eleven and come back with a drink and say, hey, check this out? No. I don't know about y'all, but I did what's called 50-50 chin grind. That means 50% chin and 50% asphalt, and it grinds. That's, that's what I did the first couple times. And, and in our walk with Christ and, and getting him to use us in this way to where... Uh, you know, we want to glorify him. We want to reach the lost. We want to serve each other. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And um, God's grace and his mercy is amazing. It's so amazing. You know, and the devil will come and try and say, oh, yeah, I see you're not a real Christian because you messed up. You messed up. And one of the things that has helped me along the way is, you know, Jesus tells us to forgive our brothers if they sin against us 70 times seven times in a day. And I think, wow, God, if you ask us to do that, how much greater is your grace towards us and your mercy towards us? And as long as we come to him, every time we mess up, his mercy is new. His, his mercy is there. I mean, and we can depend on that and we can count on that. So we don't have to be perfect human beings. Jesus had that part covered. So we're off the hook. Thank God. Yes. Thank God for that. Um, and, there, and if you read through the Bible, you, you have all of these examples. Noah, whoops, I'm sorry, I keep kicking that thing. I'm trying to, <laughs> to make sure everybody's awake. <laughs> there's, no gun, there's no gunfire here, okay? <laughs> I got to make sure I move so I don't kick that thing again. I'm sorry. <laughs> all through the Bible, there, we have examples of imperfect people that God used. Look at Noah, he got drunk. But, I mean, to his defense, can you blame him? Look what he just saw. I mean, the whole earth was destroyed by water. I mean, he gets off and, whoo, that was a doozy, God, to his defense. Okay, but he got drunk afterwards. Abraham was too old, right? He was too old to receive the promise, and then they took it into their own hands, and we know what happened. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses stuttered. He had a speech impediment. Gideon was afraid. 
He was cowering behind a well. Samson was a long-haired womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were both too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. John the Baptist was the weird guy dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts dipped in honey. Peter denied Christ three times. Paul slaughtered families who followed Christ, thinking he was even doing God a service. And if none of those do it for you, how about Lazarus, who was dead for four days, and God used him to show the glory of God when he raised him from the dead. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, it's on the, the board here, it says, Paul writes, so, keep me from becoming con- so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, the revelation of salvation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that in the power of Christ, so that the power of Christ, excuse me, may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we, we, can, we can grasp on that. If you will just take that scripture right there, look at what Paul's saying, and don't let it slip by you. Because there's a couple of things here. Number one, yes, our human ego likes to get conceited. Look what I did, God. And God goes, yeah, I made the whole earth. What did you do? <laughs> just show me that again. <laughs> we get conceited. You know, we, that's just human. That's our fallen nature. That we want to, as, as Proverbs says, every man wants to declare his own goodness. And, and that's what we want to do. But, but God will allow us to fall. To keep us humble. And that is, that is the key to God using you. Humility. That is the key. While we don't need to be perfect, we, we need to understand and recognize that God is perfect. Not only is God perfect, but he is holy, holy, holy. And we are not. We are not perfect, and we are not even holy. We are wretched, wretched, wretched. We're imperfect, and that's okay. And God says that's okay. He wants us to understand the difference that we are not perfect and we are not holy, but he is, and he still loves us, and he still wants to use us. So the real question then becomes, when you grasp this, the real question becomes, are you willing, are you willing to trust him completely? We just sang, trust and obey. Are we willing to really trust him and obey him despite ourselves? And here's a couple of things. You cannot be available. You cannot say, God, use me, and then be only available when it's convenient for you or when the expected outcome for us is in our favor. And let me give you an example. And I say this to to my daughter all the time. The way that you respond 
to your parents when they ask you to do something is the way you'll respond to God when he asks you to do something. See, it's learning obedience. It's learning to trust that what the parent is saying is for the good, regardless of what you think or what you know, that God may have a reason that goes beyond our reason. God may have a a purpose that we don't even understand, but are we willing to trust him completely? Everybody knows the the scripture in 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for the one whose heart is perfect towards him. But the rest of that, if you read it in context, if you read 7 through 10, as a matter of fact, let's go there. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 16. And give me an amen if you beat me there. All right, y'all beat me there. (laughs) All right, I'm going to start in verse 7, and I'm going to read to verse 10. It says, And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you shall have wars. And then Asa was wroth with the seer. And put him in a prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people the same time. So look at this picture right here where Hanani is faced with a very difficult... I'm making sure I don't kick that thing up. almost did again. Hanani is faced with... He's got to tell Asa something that may not work out for his favor. Now, and, and we see here, we see here multiple pictures. We see the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, wanting to show himself strong on those whose heart is loyal or perfect towards him. We see how God wants to show himself strong to people. But then we see at the same time an obedience to that, to be used of God where it doesn't work out so well in the favor of the person. Are we willing to go through that to be used of God? You see, it's, it's more than just... Being used of God, you see, that's when it becomes, God becomes our genie, when we only do things that are working out in our favor. Are we willing to trust him completely, even when it won't work out in our favor? And if you're unsure, here's here's a way to to, uh, change that perspective, because perspective is everything. And, And let me me skip ahead here, because if we see the goodness of God and the temporary suffering that we may go through, and how that pales in comparison to the cross, then you'll be gladly willing. When you understand the debt that has been paid for you, you see things differently. 
It changes you on the inside. And when we look at the cross, if we kneel at the cross and we see this is what we deserve, then he deserves our obedience and trust without question, does he not? Without question, without hesitation. Without hesitation. Have you ever, have you ever asked a kid to clean a room and they hem-haw around or go to bed? I'm thirsty. I need something to drink. Hem-haw. It would hesitate, come up with all these excuses not to do what you ask them to do, right? <laughs> how you respond to your parents is how you respond to God. Well, thankfully, parents discipline their children so that they stop that, right? They grow out of it. But sometimes we start doing that as Christians. But God, why would you have me talk to that person? God, I can't say that to them. That's going to hurt their feelings. God, are you sure? Is that, is that scriptural? Is that you, you, we see, see how we start stalling and delaying and, and time is passing and it may be a matter of life and death in a few seconds and we don't know, but God sees the whole picture and all we can see is what the headlights in front of us are shining and trust that what God is telling us is true. So are we willing to trust completely? And if, if you look at the cross and you just realize that God put it all on the line, he, he gave his all for us and he is deserving of our obedience without hesitation. So if we want to be used of God, we can't hesitate when he says, please tell this person I love him. Please reach out to this person or warn this brother that they're in sin and they need to repent. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you a story. I've told this story several times about a pastor who was in Taco Bell. And he said he heard the Holy Spirit tell him to go up to a girl that he didn't even know and just say the word burrito. And he said he argued with the Holy Spirit for about 15 minutes. And finally, he just had that uneasy feeling where you just don't have rest when God tells you to do something. So he finally did it. And he said, ma'am, listen, I know this is going to sound crazy. I'm a pastor. The Holy Spirit, I know, just told me to tell you burrito. And the girl started just bawling, crying. And he's like, what? What did I do? What? And she said, I was sitting here praying that God would send somebody to me and just say the word burrito so I would know he was real because I was about to go commit suicide. We don't know. See, we don't know when God tells us to do something, you know, without hesitation, without trying to put God in a box because he is sovereign. He's almighty. He, where were we when he spoke this into existence? Where were we? Did we give him any guidance? Did we give him any suggestions? No. So we can't put God in this religious box that says he will only say these things or have us do these things. God will have us do some crazy things. Look at the examples of the prophets in the Bible. I mean, Isaiah preached naked. Okay? I'm not saying God's going to have anybody do that. Okay? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Nobody's going <laughs> to. Right? But, but see, God, do you see the pattern of God and how he works? Is He is sovereign, and he, can, he, he will have us do things that just don't make any sense to us sometimes. But that is how God will use us. He will use us to reach his lost sheep. And that, that's what he wants. That's what he came for, to seek and save the lost. So while we're here, we're his hands and we're his feet and we're his mouthpiece to declare his goodness on this earth, to reach out to the 
the down and outers, the, the ones who are lost. And we can't just look down our nose and say, oh, well, those people, oh, they'll never, that person will never be saved. Who are we to play God in that capacity? To judge who will be saved and who will not. We, if we look at ourselves, and that's why I say look at the cross, because when we look at ourselves and we look at the cross, we should say, God, that should be me there. That should be me. I mean, our sins are wretched. The good news, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that, that, that God the Father made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Broken fellowship with God, who knew no sin, that we, and that's us, might be made the righteousness of God. In other words, in perfect fellowship with him, Jesus. We were in broken fellowship with God at one time. Anybody who's lost is in that same broken fellowship. We can't, we can't look down our nose at the lost. We can't pick and choose who God saves and who God will use us to reach. We, if we're going to be used of God, we can't pick and choose our availability. We're not on a schedule with God. I'm open from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, and God, you know, I take weekends off. No, it's, it's nothing like that. No, if you, if you want to be used of God... It's a life. You're laying down your life. Count the cost. Another question um, that people may ask is, how or where will God use me? And the short answer to that is, however and wherever he wants. Open your Bible to John chapter 2. I'm going to read a little bit here of the first miracle that Jesus <coughs> completed. <clears throat> and I want you to pay attention to something real close. I'm not going to read the whole thing because for the lack of time, we end at 1030, right? Or 1045. Oh, sweet. I got plenty of time. We may read the whole thing. <laughs> starting at John chapter 1. No, I'm just kidding. John chapter 2, starting at verse 1. If you're there, say Amen. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And that word called in the King James means invited. They were invited to the, to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not come. And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece, or gallons, it's 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not where it came from, but the servants knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto them, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is the worse, but you have kept the good wine until now. So look at this picture here. And the question is, how or where will God use me? And this, this scripture starts off with the answer right there. Wherever Jesus is invited. 
and right where you're at is where he will use you. Wherever you're at, if Jesus is invited there, he will use you right there. There doesn't have to be, you don't have to go through seminary. You don't have to go through all this formal training. Listen, the apostles, they were, they were considered uneducated men. You can read in Acts. Some, most of them didn't even know how to read or write. They were considered unlearned. It doesn't take, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A scholarship, a degree to be used of God. What it takes is a willingness to invite Jesus in your life wherever you're at. You see, that's, that's it. And, and if you notice in this scripture, Jesus' mother said, do whatever he, whatever he says, do it. She knew. They didn't know. They had no clue. And now, <clears throat> this, this scripture is kind of symbolic um, in many ways because Jesus told them to fill the stone pots with water. We, there were six of them. Six is the number of man. The water always represents the word. And they filled it to the brim. They didn't leave any space for any emptiness. This is important because if we want to be used of God, if we want to see the power of God drawn out of us, you see, when they drew the water out, that's when it became wine, which wine always represents the power of the Holy Spirit. The power did not happen until it was drawn out of the stone. If you want to see the power of God displayed in your life, pour yourself out into somebody else's life. That's when the power, that's when God will manifest his power. And it, it's not for your platform at all. It's for his glory. It's for reaching his sheep, the lost sheep. But overall, you know, when you ask how or where will God use me, most likely it's not going to be anything like how you envision it. Trust me. I had no idea when I said God used me that I would see myself in India somewhere. Or Guatemala. I haven't been many places, but I've been a few places. God's used me. And I had no idea. Can you imagine what Isaiah was saying in Isaiah 6 when he said, Lord, here am I. Send me. He had no idea what he was going to go through or what his end would be. And we know what his end was. He had no idea. It wasn't just, he wasn't signing up. He was, as Pastor Micah said, he, he was blindly signing on the blank line without knowing anything that was before it. He was just willing to trust because why? He had the perspective of understanding, of knowing who Almighty God was, holy, 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 and his sinfulness, and that God touched him and cleansed him, and that was good enough right there. That was enough. He was the prize. God was the prize, and that was enough for him to say, yes, I'll go send me, wherever it is, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say. And then Isaiah asked for how long, and guess what he said? He said, until, pretty much, until there's, nothing, until there's no one left. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. I kind of got ahead of myself, but... But, but think about that. If we, will, if we will pour in the word of God into our lives, fill, it, fill up to the brim. You may not understand when you're reading the God, word of God. You may not understand it, but I promise you the Holy Spirit will bring that revelation to you in his time. <clears throat> you may be going through something in life. Holy Spirit will say, remember what you read? 
Or you read another scripture and the Holy Spirit will say, remember this scripture? And he'll put the two together. The scripture will interpret scripture. Let me, let me read a, a little story here about a guy named Jim Rhodes who says, never say God used me unless you mean it. He says, driving through Mineral Wells, Texas one afternoon in 1994, Jim noticed many buildings standing vacant due to the shutdown of a local military base. And Jim says, I always complain to God about things that bother me. And so I asked him, why aren't these buildings being used to help the homeless? A few days later, an announcement appeared in the paper, and one of those buildings was made available to any charitable organization that could put it to good use. More to appease his conscience than to make a serious inquiry, Rhodes sent a letter to city officials suggesting that idea. The answer he wasn't prepared for came back was, it's yours. <laughs> the city said, here, use it. So never say, God use me unless you really mean it. And see, have you ever heard the saying, if you see the need, you hear the call? You know, sometimes God will just put it on your heart. You'll just see something and you'll see that need. And God has you there for a reason. It's not coincidence. He may have you there because he knows you can fulfill that need. Don't hesitate. Don't try to, don't try to reason with it. Don't try to put it in a box and make all kind of logical things and, and reason. No, just go with it because it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to force you to do it. The Holy Spirit just whisper to you. And you got to be sensitive. you gotta, you got to have that sensitive heart to say, yes, Lord. Okay. And, and trust me, by all means, we're all going to make mistakes. And we're all going to, I mean, I've missed that. And I've, I've talked myself out of doing things so many times. Thank God for his mercy and his grace that's there for when we fall short like that. We're going to make those mistakes. It's okay. We can still be used of God. The key is, again, humility and relationship with him to be sensitive to his voice first. And then the last thing that you may ask is, well, how long, God, will you use me for? And again, Isaiah 6, 11 says, Until your cities lie waste without inhabitant and the houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. In other words, until there's no one else to go to. And then Jesus further affirmed our going in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, go therefore and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How long does God want to use us our whole life? Our retirement plan is when we get to heaven. As long as we're here on this earth and we are above ground and it doesn't even matter if we're crippled or maimed, God can still use us. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for us to say, well, God, you couldn't use me. There's no sin that we've committed that is too great for God not to forgive. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, or what you think about yourself. 
because God sees your potential, and he knows you better than you know yourself. I mean, each one of us love ourselves, right, to a non-conceited extent, right? <laughs> but do we love ourselves enough to, we, to where we know how many hairs are on our head? I mean, I know that for Brother Stephen and I, that's pretty easy, but <laughs> count on one hand. But God knows the very hairs on our head, and he loves us that much. I love my daughter. I love my wife, but I don't know how many hairs are on their head. And think about how much God loves us. And he is able. He is absolutely able to use us. He has created all that we have seen, all that we have not seen. He is all-powerful. And if, if he can use disciples, apostles that, that don't know how to read and write, if he can use me, then he can use you. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I don't have a high school diploma. I never graduated high school. I got kicked out my senior year. It doesn't matter. It really, I don't have any degrees. I'm not a special, I, I don't have any titles. It, and I'm not saying that to, to puff myself up. I'm saying that to share with you that it doesn't matter who you are. God will use you if you will make yourself available and you will humble yourself to him. He will absolutely use you. But first and foremost, I want to, to again emphasize that first and foremost, God wants to love on you. He just wants to love on you and he wants you to love on him. That's, that's the first and foremost thing. Love on him. Get to know him. Get to know his word. Get to know his character through his word. Get to know who he is. <clears throat> he will use you. And you might be here today and say, well, I, I don't want to be used of God. And, and I would say to that person that how could you not want to be used of God after all he's done for you? If that's the case, maybe... Perhaps you need to change your perspective. Sometimes you have to move physically to see things from a different angle. Sometimes you may have, you may have to change something in your life so you can see. You may have to just get on your knees and say, God, show me where I'm falling short that I can see that, God, I, I want to be used by you. Because right now I don't want to be used. Show me, God, my error. One of the first dangerous prayers, search me, O oh God. These, these, these prayers, they are dangerous. You ask God to use you, your life will change. It will change dramatically. Your perspectives are going to change. Your understanding is going to change. Your relationships are going to change. Because God wants, he wants to be invited there. And he'll use you right there. Amen? Amen. I hope you got something out of that. Close in prayer. Father God, we love you so much and we thank you. God, you are, you are so good. You're a great God. You love us and you want to just pick us up and love on us, Lord, just like any parent wants to love on their children. And we thank you for that, God. And we thank you what, for what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you, God, that Lord, when you asked Isaiah, who will you send? You didn't know the answer already, Lord. You, you knew it. You knew the answer, Lord. 
You want to send us. You want to use us. But, Lord, you want to love us first. Lord, we want you to use us. Lord, we, we understand that, Lord, there's going to be things that you're going to ask us to do that may not work out in our favor. But, Lord, it works for your glory and for your good, for your kingdom. Lord, God, help us to count the cost, Lord. Help us, Lord, to lay aside our wants and our selfish needs, Lord, and our selfish things, Lord God, our selfish pride, Lord. Just help us lay it aside. Help us to gain perspective, Lord God, of you on the cross for us in our place. Lord, while we were your enemies, some of us were like Peter, even rejecting you, Lord God. Some of us, Lord God, were making fun of preachers, thinking that we were doing God a service, like Paul. Lord, slaughtering them with words, Lord. But yet you still died for us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, use us. Use us to glorify your name, Lord God. Not in a way that presents a platform to lift us up, Lord, and give us any kind of accreditation, Lord. All the glory is yours. All the honor is yours, Lord. We worship you and we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get our hymnal. Stand together if you're able. Hymn number 287. 287. Take my life, lead me, Lord. Take my life, lead me, 